Hi, welcome to the second episode of the Nicholas Dillon Show. My name is Nicholas Dillon. I'm a Belgian actor and screenwriter. I'm part of a filmmaking collective called Lond Films. Lond Film consists of actors, filmmakers and screenwriters who share a like-minded vision on storytelling. Currently, Lond Films is in the midst of creating a television series called Medicine Men. If you want to know more about the series or Lond Films, then definitely check out our Facebook page. You can find us at at Medicine Men Lond Films. I'm also the author of the book Positive Thinking, How to Reach Your Full Potential and Achieve Lasting Health and Success for Life. You can find it on Amazon. The book comprises of immediately applicable tools to improve your thinking and maintain a positive mind. The book is informed by a mix of modern research, timeless wisdom and common sense that combine into a powerful method for self-improvement. You don't have to be superhuman in order to get superhuman results. And that is why this podcast will share similarities with other podcasts like The Treatment, The Tim Ferriss Show and other TV shows like Inside the Actor Studio and so on. In this podcast, I shall have insightful interviews with actors, filmmakers, musicians, teachers. It will be a varied show. What I hope to get out of this podcast is what are the strategies, the tools, philosophies, motivations that they use to achieve their goals, their successes? My goal is to get inspired and to be educated. Thus, I hope that this podcast will inspire others as well. Now, I am very honored to have Joseph Van Overloop as my second guest. For the Instagrams, you can say hello to him on at Joseph Van Overloop. He's a very good friend of mine. And besides that, he's a terrific actor and deeply involved with a vegan lifestyle. In this conversation, we cover a lot of ground, including his beginnings in acting, his process of characterization, the importance of veganism, some hilarious random stories, his favorite books, and much more. I will include all the references, links, etc. below this podcast. I'd say enjoy the conversation. And thank you for listening. Welcome. Welcome to the show. I'm glad that you could make it, that you want, want to do this interview. Before we hit it off, I want to talk about a man, an actor named Frank Adenboom. He's a, a Flemish, a Belgian actor who uh, recently passed away. And I know you... You met him in the last year, two years of his of his life, and uh, it would be great if you want to elaborate on your uh, on your relationship with him and uh, how you met him. So, but we're gonna do this in, in Dutch, just yep. this this uh, this small part about Frank Annenboom, because of course he's a Belgian actor. After that, of course, we're gonna uh, continue in English. 
Dus, uh, Jozef, ja, de Frank is uh, deze nacht gestorven. Uh, 76 jaar geworden. Vrij ja, plots overleden. Ja, hoe voelt je erbij? Um, goh. Ja, het is heel vreemd. Want allee, dat is natuurlijk iets dat nauwelijks allee, niet gebeurt voor mij. Iemand die, die, die je echt kent. Allee, echt. Um, ja, die, die dan plots er niet meer is. Uh, heel, ja, een heel raar, raar, raar gevoel, want uiteindelijk ken ik hem niet zo goed, maar ik heb hem toch nog een, een maand geleden nog gesproken aan de telefoon. Ik heb hem gebeld uh, voor wat advies te vragen en toen vertelde hij ook dat hij uh, kanker had. En um, ja, voilà. Um, hoe heb je Frank eigenlijk leren kennen? Dus, um, mijn moeder haar kinesist, uh, waar mijn moeder heel, 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 heel close bevriend mee is, uh, kende uh, Frank en zijn familie ook. ook. Frank, uh, zijn ouders en zo, dat zijn echt familievrienden. Mm-hmm. Dus haar ouders kenden ook zijn ouders. Uh, en die woonden in dezelfde buurt, in, in Mortsel ook. En die gingen dan ook zo, die hadden hetzelfde stamcafé ook. Um, en die had dan verteld uh, aan Frank dat een vriendin van haar een zoon had die uh, wou acteren. Uh, en die acteren aan het studeren was. En uh, die zei dan van, ah ja, ik wil die wel zeker eens ontmoeten. Um, dus voilà, ik heb die dan via haar dan zijn telefoonnummer gekregen. En dan denk ik twee of drie jaar geleden. Um, drie jaar geleden uh, heb ik die dan opgebeld en dan hebben we afgesproken. Um, en dan zaten we samen op café en dan voilà, heeft hij um, verteld over, over acteren en over zijn carrière. En, en heeft hij vooral heel veel um, verhalen verteld van, van, van vroeger. Uh, vroeger ging hij ook heel vaak naar Londen. Uh, en dan, ja, uh, maat van hem had daar een theater en dan uh, vertelde over zijn avonturen. En, mm. en, uh, ja, dat, was, dat was ongelooflijk, want allee, dat was een man met heel veel uh, ervaring. En ook al zegt, allee, zei hij in de pers wel altijd van oké, okay, ja, ik was acteur om, omdat dat een job was en dat ik daar geld mee kon verdienen. Maar ik voelde wel van dat hij toch wel uh, zeker liefde had voor het vak. Uh, maar gewoon misschien een beetje uh, bitterheid rond uh, ja, dat er ja, dingen bij komen kijken die niet per se um, aange- Allee, die niet aangenaam zijn, denk ik. Allee, de, dat is mijn analyse dan daarover. Mm-hmm. Um, maar ja, ik, allee, ik was toch, toch zeker wel, wel ontroerd als iemand die oh ja, zoveel bereikt had in, in zijn carrière. Um, dat hij ja, tijd wou maken om gewoon iemand die nog volledig aan het begin staat van zijn carrière te ontmoeten en, en, en te babbelen. En, en. Want we hebben toch echt wel uh, een hele namiddag um, op café gezeten en hebben ook getrakteerd. En. <laughs> ja, allee, super, super sympathieke mm-hmm. man. Well, heeft hij u ooit een bepaald soort advies gegeven als acteur? Iets dat u bijgebleven is aan uh, die, die ontmoetingen met hem? Eigenlijk het enige advies dat hij mij ooit heeft gegeven was um, kom, 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 kom niet naar België. 
<laughs> ja, die zijn, ja, effectief. Die zijn, ja, moet geen acteur zijn in, 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 in Vlaanderen. Dat is, dat is niet de moeite. Um, en dan zei van, ja, als ik van u was, zou ik naar, naar, naar uh, Scandinavië trekken. Naar Zweden of naar Denemarken. En daar, daar maken ze mooie dingen en daar worden, um, wordt er interessant werk gemaakt. Um, dat is eigenlijk het enigste van advies dat hij uh, effectief gegeven heeft. En dat is ook advies dat ik niet heb opgevolgd. Maar <laughs> die zit hier. Voilà, well, ja, die zitten we hier. Dus, um, maar uh, allee, ik snap natuurlijk ook wel waarom dat hij dat heeft gezegd. Uh, waarom dat hij dat zei. En dat is natuurlijk ook voor een groot deel zijn ervaring. Um, van, van, van de industrie. Um, ja, voilà. Ja. Ja, voor mij, ja, voor mij was het echt een grote, grote acteur. En, mm-hmm. en ik had enorm veel respect voor die man. Oké. Okay. Wel bedankt dat je dat met, met ons hebt willen delen. Dat was bizar. Laat ons nu overgaan naar het interview met Jozef van Overloop. So, um, now we'll continue in English. So, Joseph, <laughs> let's begin at the top. Uh, let's do some retrospective. So, the first question. When was the first time you realized you were an artist or that you wanted to become an actor? Um, I, I feel like for me there was not a definitive moment when I realized, okay, like now this is it. Like, this is the moment that I said to myself, oh, I want to be an actor. Um, I mean, there is one moment I do remember, um, but but I would say like on on the whole, it was more of a progression. It, it, like I, I sort of like grew into that feeling mm-hmm. and that experience. But I do remember the first time I expressed to someone um, outside of my family um, that I was going to be an actor. And I remember very vividly that person said to me, it's like, oh, everybody has that dream. That's something everyone wants to do, but almost no one does it. And I remember thinking like, well, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I don't really, you know, care what you say about it or you think about it, but this is what I'm going to do. So how old were you when you had that feeling? I think... It really no, must have been about 15, 16. 15, 16. Yeah. yeah, somewhere around that age. Yeah. That's actually how we met. Yeah, right? that's when, 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 yeah. I mean, we met when I was 13, but we didn't become close until around, around uh, yeah, about that time. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it was in. In high school, in the fifth year. <laughs> yeah, could you elaborate on, on, because, yeah, of course, we met at the Academy of Music and Words in uh, Berchem, Antwerp, Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later we went to high school. We did uh, two years of, uh, how would you say that in English? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we Drama. Drama, yeah. yeah. Drama in high school. So could you elaborate on, on your experiences on on the the way it shaped your 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 artistry? Um I, I would say by then it was starting to become a real thing. 
like, okay, this could be uh, a profession. This, this could be something that um, we can do for a living. Um, but still at the time it was a lot of, you know, play. It wasn't because I mean, obviously we were very, very young. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we still are, but, um, (laughs) yeah, it was, I mean, my experience of it now is totally different than it was back then. Back then it was, I, it was not really something concrete. It was not like, at least for me, when, when, when I had my uh, spare time, it was more something I dreamed about and fantasized about and not so much something I was actually working towards. If, 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 if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't really serious for me. Even though I did say like, oh, I want to be an actor and, and you know, I want to do this for a living. I still, I, I didn't really take it like seriously, but mm-hmm. I didn't take anything seriously back then. Mm-hmm. It was all sort of like, yeah, I mean, you're young and you're still trying to figure out who you are and, 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 you know, your, your identity is being formed and being shaped and, and you have all these struggles that now seem so, you know, trivial, mm-hmm. um, but things that were very important back then, it wasn't acting, you know, the You're girls right. were more of an issue for me, you know, that was something that was serious. And that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was something that was important, yeah. like, you know, how does sex work and, you okay. know, how, you know, and can I get a nice girlfriend? You know, that was more important than, you know, how am I going to play this part? You know, it was like, oh, we're going to, you know, do this little, you know, we're good, do this little performance and, and, and yeah, we're going to rehearse and learn our lines. Um, but it was more about the fun of it. Mm-hmm. It was just like the joy of, you know, rehearsing and, you know, acting and being on stage and there's people who are going, coming to, to see what we do and, it's a really nice feeling to be up there and, and to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your first performance? Oh, of course. Um, I mean, for me, there are two first performances. It was like the first performance um, that we did in the academy. And it was just for the parents. And we just did something in front of people for the first time. And there's also my first performance in terms of like when we... Um, performed in a theater for the first time, which, which is a very different experience because you know, the lights are out and you can't see the audience and it's a real theater and there's, you know, seats and there's, there's like a backstage and, yeah. and we had costumes and, mm-hmm. um, and I remember that very well. So you're talking about Teatro on Strom, right? Yeah, when we performed in uh, Klokas. Klokas, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's tiny, tiny little theater. What play was it? Was it, uh, no, it wasn't a play or. We, yeah, yeah, we did a play. We did a play? Was it a play? Yeah, because, um, it's like when Steve came in and it was towards the end of the, the, uh, um, year. And we had about three weeks. And it was like, okay, guys, let's do a play. And I think we did, uh, Antigone. Antigone, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. And we were both in the chorus. Yeah. <laughs> At least I was. I think you were as well. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I remember it as well. It was the first time, like you're saying, in, in, uh, literally in the spotlight mm-hmm. uh, in front of, a, of, a, of an audience in, in, in a real theater. I can still smell yeah. the... Um, I don't know, the, the, the dust on the... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and the old seats and everything. Mm-hmm. Funny thing, I'm actually going there tonight. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. For, uh, what for a, a friend has... Uh, a friend of mine has an office above the theater. And he has a screening of a TV series that he's working on. Uh, so he's screening uh, the pilot. Okay, what, what is it called? I, I don't remember it. I think Jack Brussels. Is Jack course. Brussels. Okay, cool. I'll look it up. All right. Do you still? Because I can imagine the, your first performances. Well, at least I did was a stage fright. Do you still have that? Like, like if you go up on a, on a. I mean, it doesn't matter if it, if it's on a movie set or uh, in a, in a play. Do you still have that? And if so, what what kind of I don't know, like kind of, do you meditate maybe before, before going on stage or, or, um, what do you do? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really call it stage fright because it implies fear. It's more of an, a sort of like, um, excitement. It's like you get, or at least maybe it is fear, but I try to like reframe it as excitement. Mm-hmm. You know, because the general feeling of it is the same. Like, you know, when you fear something or when you're really excited about something, what your what happens to your body physically is the same experience, pretty much. Um, and of course, I, I still I still get nervous and, and and still get the jitters. You know, when I'm about to go on stage, and I still have those moments when you know. I'm in the wings and I have to go on and I ask myself, like, why do I do it to myself? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm such a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I'm going through, like, this huge roller coaster of emotions and why do I do this to myself? It's ridiculous. With film, not so much. Mm-hmm. I would say that's something that happens with the stage because anything can, can go wrong and... Um, with film, I still have this experience of like, you know, if the first take sucks, like we have the second take. So it's less nerve wracking mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, yeah. Of course you still get excited. You know, it's like the first day of shooting, you know, you want it to go well and you wonder like, oh, am I prepared enough or do I have the role? But usually you do like one or two takes and then you'll know it's like, oh, I, I, I got this, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I'm, I'm in it. So, and how do I prepare for it? Um, meditating, maybe like in the beginning of the day, like when I wake up upon waking, but in, in like the two or three hours leading up to the performance, it's more like it's, it's a warm up, um, like you warm up your body, you warm up your voice. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go over the lines. I always have to go over the lines. I have to like, just be able to look at them. I have to have them with me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, um, how do you learn your lines? I mean, because I'm asking, I did Dustin Hoffman's masterclass, mm-hmm. uh, on masterclass.com. And he talks about learning your lines by writing them down instead of like reading it out loud. Um, because he, f- 
he thinks or he believes that if you would like just read it out loud that you would um constrain the 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 your emotions because for example maybe you have a sentence in which you say um i want to talk to you but with a with an exclamation mark so then you would like read it out loud i want to talk to you but maybe you could say i want to <laughs> talk to you you know what i mean like yeah, if you were, if you're just writing it down you're memorizing it but at the same time you're not like um it's not fixed you know yeah, what I mean? yeah it's still flexible so how, how how do you do that yeah yeah uh i can't i can't really learn i'm not able to learn my lines by rote maybe i am but it would just take a lot more time um i do i do write down my lines um but the process begins with obviously you read it you know you read it the first time um and usually if if i'm excited about the part i just almost start acting it right away because you know I, you, you don't first time you try and just read it through mm-hmm. and then you read it again and 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 you'll i'll focus on on my own character and it's like what does my character say and then I'll read it i'll read it again and 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 focus on the other characters like what are specific things that other characters are saying about me um and then it really depends on the role or on the project or like you know sometimes you have a certain part and you'll immediately know like you have a general sense of how you want to approach this part and you get a sense of like oh i know how to do this and sometimes um it'll be more of a challenge because i remember for example uh, my graduation play i had to play a, a transvestite and that didn't come easy to me at all so I, mm-hmm. i did all sorts of things to get into that part because i didn't know at the beginning how i was going to play it at all um so sometimes i'll 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 write it write it out um the lines because i try to use several several different um ways to to get the lines into my body like into my head or, or just really get the lines mm-hmm. and if i use you know different sensory experiences to get it into my body um then i feel that i'm that it works better so f- practically i'll write them down um sometimes i'll move the lines so i'll use movement so i'll be saying the lines and um then i'll do them again and just i'll try to express them purely physically so it's like expressionistic movement mm-hmm. okay. um that's something um that we also did in acting school and um i'll paraphrase them the so especially for a classic text this is very very useful um i'll just uh, i'll just say the lines in my own words um if for example the text is in english mm-hmm. then i'll say i'll just uh, uh practice them in, in in flemish and i'll feel like in, in i i feel that by approaching the text in all these different ways 
I'll find all these different things. So I'll also sometimes just go into the thro- uh, thought process of um, the character. So like, I'll say what I'm thinking, or I'll, at least I'll, I'll say what comes up in my head as what the thoughts could be mm-hmm. that precedes the line, and then I'll go into the line. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's just like all these different tools that I've picked up in, in, in my studies mm-hmm. that I'll just apply. And I'll always be, 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 be uh, on the lookout to try something new that I haven't tried before and then see um, what, what, what happens. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, it's just of like uh, using a lot of different tools mm-hmm. and then just apply them to the text. You went to drama school in uh, in London, mm-hmm. and later, two years later, uh, you went to New York to do a uh, drama school. But you're from Belgium, so tell me about why did you you choose to go to to England to the drama school, and why why didn't you um, well, what why didn't you stay over here? Um, well, I mean, it's mostly because of you. Because I remember we, we were in high school and then, you know, we were in our final year, but I think even before our final year, yeah, even before our final year in our 50th um, year, you started talking about Rada, Lambda, like all these big, uh, famous, prestigious schools in England. And that's when the idea also started growing on me. It's like, uh, actually, it's not a bad idea to first of all, go to a different country and experience a different culture and, but also go and study in a big industry. Um, because obviously London is way, way bigger. And then, um, so I knew like, like a year ahead of time, I already knew that's what I wanted to do. So, uh, I think when I was 17, I went to London for three weeks. Uh, just to, to, to improve my English. So I went to England and I started taking English classes and I really liked London. I loved it. I remember the first play I went to see was, um, the 39 steps, which is a comedy based on the film by Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. So great, great play. Um, and I just loved it so much and it was so different. And also because I didn't grow up, my parents never took me to the theater. Um, we didn't have TV growing up. So I only like discovered like cinema when I, uh, discovered, uh, Torrance and Pirate Bay. <laughs> and that's when I started watching good films mm-hmm. because up until that point, my, my mother would sometimes buy DVDs and like we never watched good films. We always watched like B movies that she just bought in the supermarket and thought were, you know, acceptable for us to watch with nothing to, with not too much nudity or or anything (laughs) outrageous or too much violence. Um, so as soon as I discovered pirate Bay, um, I started, you know, my own journey of like discovering, you know, good film. Mm, And then, 
when I was eight, nineteen, I I I I auditioned um, in England for the first time, and then I think two months later, I also auditioned in Antwerp, and my experience in Antwerp was wasn't that good. I mean, I got through to the final round, and then um, after the final round, they told me that they asked. Well, first they asked me so. so how do you feel and what do you think? And I was just like, well, I'm just going to continue and keep learning and keep growing. And I remember very well that they said to me, it's like, I don't think that's a good idea. They said like, in your first audition, we thought we saw something in you, but we were mistaken. Wow. That's pretty harsh. That's very harsh. Yeah. And I remember also like in, in, in London at one of the schools, my audition wasn't that good. But still, they were very kind, and very understanding, and 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 they didn't see any reason to to diminish my effort or or, or tell me to to stop doing it. Mm. So I thought, like, well, I preferred that approach. So that's the moment I decided that I really, really wanted to study in England at the courtyards, right? Well, yeah, that came later. Oh, okay, yeah. Because in, in the first year I auditioned, I didn't get in anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was the second year. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, I went to university for a little bit and hated it. And, of course. And yeah. then I started auditioning again the, the year after. And that's mm. when um, I eventually ended up at uh, the theater training company. Okay, cool. So, um, then... You did that for about two years. You yep. graduated from, from the courtyards. Yeah. And then you went to New York. Yep. So why did you go to New York? Why did, were you like, you, you, you had the feeling you weren't prepared enough to, to, to become a professional actor? Or why did you keep on studying, you know? Um, it happened very late. It was like really towards the end of my second year and my final year. Um, I think one of the very last acting classes we had in London, our acting teacher, um, well, he had, he had some family business, so he wasn't there for two weeks. And then another teacher took over and she did Meisner exercises with us. And I ex instinctively, I, I, uh, I just knew it in my body. It's like, wow, this is different. This is different approach to acting and I love it. So, you know, I bought the book, um, Sanford Meisner on acting. Could you, for the listeners who don't know about Meisner, could you what kind of acting method is it? What does it entail? Um, so, uh, Sanford Meisner, he was an American acting teacher. Um, he started, uh, teaching in, uh, started teaching acting in the mid 1930s. Um, but he didn't really develop his method until the fifties. But, um, the way he looked at acting, he, he saw that actors had two main problems. One of them was, uh, the two self-conscious when they're on stage. Mm -hmm. And secondly, they don't really listen. So he developed this acting method, this teaching method, which at the time was very unorthodox. Um, 
where it's sort of you know this this, this game where 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 you just you know stand in front of each other you look at each other and you repeat and you make observations about the other person in front of you for example i would say to you like you have long hair and you would repeat to me like oh i have long hair and you go back and forth and you focus all your attention on the other person and this way you would start to act more natural and more believable because you're not thinking about how you look on stage or what you're doing no, I, I, yeah that's pretty much the essence mm -hmm. of, of, of the technique okay cool so um you did that act exercise in yeah. in, in england mm -hmm. um you read the book mm -hmm. and so and what then so you 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 looked up on the internet for, for uh, drama classes or drama schools in, in New York? No. Um, first, I, I looked for acting schools in England that focus on a Meisen technique, and I couldn't really find any. And I started looking around in Europe, couldn't really find like a full-time training focused on a Meisen technique. And then at the back of the book, obviously the whole book, um, by Sandy, um, Sanford Meisner on acting, uh, mentions the neighborhood playhouse. So I went online and I went to the website of the neighborhood playhouse. I looked at the curriculum. I watched a few videos about it and I was, I just knew I was like, my whole body was just saying like, okay, this is where I have to go. And to be honest, up until that point, I To me, America was kind of a weird joke. You know, I never had any aspiration to go to America. I thought it was a really fucking weird country. <laughs> It's like a really strange culture or like almost like non-culture. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I never wanted to go to America. And, but... Um, looking at the curriculum, I was just like, um, you know, they, they also taught, um, the Martha Graham modern ballet was also part of the curriculum, which I thought was super cool. And, um, you know, we were going to do opera instead of like musical singing. And I thought that was really cool. Um, they, they also offered Alexander technique, which was something I was interested in and heard about. And another big reason was the fact that, um, in, uh, at the neighborhood playhouse, you do your first year mm -hmm. and then uh, after your first year, they'll decide whether or not you can go to the second year. So the, the, the quality of the students would improve by the second year. Um, that was the idea of the school. And I kind of like that mm -hmm. because. Because there was also that whole thing of like, you had a few people in the school who were like, who, who were really committed to the craft and really wanted to work. Um, but also some people who, you know, you just kind of wondered why they were there, you know, but then, but still, um, after the first year you decided to audition for the Esper studio. Yeah. Uh, which is also in New York, the, mm. by William Esper, mm. um, who is a, a student. He was one of Meisner's uh, students. He was Meisner's 
Prodigy. Prodigy, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. definitely what it was. Um, so how did that came about? Um, first of all, like the whole transition to, to, you know, living in London. And then I thought it was going to be pretty much the same thing. Like London is a big city. New York is a big city. Mm -hmm. It's going to be easy to like transition. And it's a Western culture and it's pretty much the same. Like we consume lots of American films and lots of American music. So it's not going to be that big of a deal. That's what I thought, but that's not what happened. <laughs> it was, I, I had a pretty tough time like adjusting to the culture and it's definitely very, very, very different, uh, compared to the, um, English culture for sure. Um, and I just, I didn't feel like I belonged in that school some reason um i didn't yeah i still to this day i can't really point um my finger at what exactly the reason was that i didn't really fit in um i mean i had lots of like uh you know struggles going on of like you know my personality and you know just growing as a person being exposed to this uh, new culture yet again. And, 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 and I just didn't feel like I belonged in the end. That's what it comes down to. And then a friend of mine, uh, one day after, uh, all our classes had finished. So this was like the, towards the end of May said like, Oh, today I'm going to take a look, um, at the Esper studio. I'm just going to go there and see if I can talk to someone and I'll, I was just like, okay, cool, man. I'm going to come with you. So we went together. We had a conversation with um, someone at the Esper studio. And after that conversation, I immediately knew. I, was, I just knew within my whole body. It's like, okay, I am going to go to the school no matter what. And yeah, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> what it did. Okay, cool. So at the Esper studio, um, how do you change your, your process of, uh, characterization? Uh, because I can imagine drama schools in, in, in England or drama schools in the States differ in a way. I, I, I mean, like, I think the, 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 like drama schools in England are more focused on, on the physicality of the character in a sense. They're, they're way more technical. More technical. For sure. Yeah. It's like if, if you, even if, 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 if I just look at the hours that we spent doing certain things, it's like, you know, we had Shakespeare <clears throat> or they called it textual studies from day one in England. You know, we had lots of movement. We had lots of voice classes. I think we had like, we had, so we did more work with our voice than we had straight up acting classes. And, in, in, um, in America, acting definitely comes first. Um, so that is already a huge difference. And also one of the reasons I really wanted to study in New York was because I realized like, oh, I know all these, I've learned all these technical ways of like approaching a text. Um, but I still struggle with emotion. 
It's like, I mean, that comes from, I mean, as a kid, I was really, really emotional and uh, all my emotions were very readily available to me. But then at a certain point, I decided that was not okay. Mm-hmm. So I still remember that when I was very young, at a certain point, I decided like, okay, now I'm going to be a man and I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop crying like forever. I'm never going to cry again because now I have to become a man. So it was, that was all still blocked inside. So when I graduated in England, I didn't feel ready to go to an audition and say like, okay, I'm a professional and I want you to pay for, or want you to pay me for what I do. I was like, I'm just not ready. And in New York, the whole school was based around one philosophy. And in England, we touched on all these different approaches and these different methodologies of how to approach a character. And, and there was not a clear single vision of what acting was. It was more of like, okay, we expose you to all these different methods and all these different approaches, and then you get to pick and choose what you do. So, okay. So, so in England, I was exposed to all these different methodologies and then we got to our graduation place and I had this realization of like, oh shit, like I know all these things and all these, I have all these tools, but I don't know how to bring it together because some of them, some of the things that we learned, um, they kind of went against each other. Like, you know, it was sort of like this juxtaposition position of, mm-hmm. of, of like things and, and, and philosophies. And, and so I also really wanted to go to a school where it was just about one thing. You just did the Meisner technique and that was what you learned. And you really built this, this technique from the ground up. You start at zero and it's kind of like, you know, you built first, you build a clear foundation and then you build the house where it, in England, it was sort of like, okay, here are the bricks and here is some furniture and it's up to you to just put it all together. Okay, wow. Yeah. You know, that's sort of like the sense I had after graduation. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was also one of the reasons I wanted to go there. And then the other thing was also like, I know that the Americans, you know, are very emotional people and I want to become like more you know, have my emotions more readily available and really like know how to, you know, kind of, uh, use them in my performance, I would mm-hmm. say. So yeah, that's one of the huge or like big differences. I would say. So now, um, if you, um, uh, do a play, you, you, you get a, you get a part in a play or, uh, or a movie. Um, how do you approach character how do you go from from a name on a piece of paper to like really embody the 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 person you're gonna gonna portray how do you what is what is your process um i mean it's still changing but um i would say i i like to spend a lot of i i try to spend as much time with that character as I can and really get to know the character. Um, so what does this mean that I'll, I love to go out in public as my character, 
there's so I'll, you know I'll put on certain clothes and then I'll just go out into the world and maybe go buy some bread um and really figure out like how do I speak how do I move um yeah what do I say I mean <laughs> like what are certain words that I use like mm -hmm. all these things that you know to me like I know or what the things are that I do. But like, for example, like how does this character get ready to go to bed? Like how, how does it wake up? And because I feel I need that to really then, um, become the character in a way. Um, cause even though that might not necessarily be immediately relevant to, to the play, or what you actually have to do in the play. Um, to me, it really feels important that when I go on stage, I know who I am. And, um, and it's very important for me to, to do it all instinctively. You know, I'm not going to go and sit down and, okay, like now I'm going to decide that my favorite color um, is green when playing this character. No, I'm just going to figure it out by doing, like, you know, who is this person? Like, who am I? Like, how do I... Because especially in films, like, your thought process is very important. Mm -hmm. Because only then you can, like, once you know the way a person thinks that, then the lines start to make sense. Because you have to know why you are certain, certain, saying certain things. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I grew up a certain way and I've experienced certain things which make me say all these things I'm saying now. I'm not just arbitrarily saying them. You know, they all come from somewhere. They originate somewhere, which is your experiences. And, and, and I, I find it hard to just step into a character if I haven't, you know, lived this character before I start playing it. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way, because otherwise it becomes this, you know, one dimensional thing and it's just what's on the page, but there's so much beyond what's on the page. Mm -hmm. So I remember, so yeah, when I was playing, uh, Lupsy in Claw, which was a graduation play I did in London, um, I really had to like dig deep to find, um, the feminine quality of this character. So I started going out together with a friend who was really into this whole burlesque, uh, world of like drag queens and then burlesque performance. And we started going out together to clubs and we would go to gay, gay clubs and like for like every weekend, you know, I would go out and, you know, experience this world because, um, I felt that. It was, this was something that the character was also experiencing. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, and I got a lot of inspiration from that as well, from like meeting all these, these, these people, you know, also this discovering this world that I didn't know at all. So I really felt like I had to, you know, um, kind of, I didn't, I didn't, I don't just want to play my ID of this character or like my judgment of this character, but really want to come it from like a real place and from a real experience. So I would also sometimes just, um, 
dress up as my character and, you know, put on makeup. Mm-hmm. You know, I went out and bought some heels, you know, which is, you know, <laughs> like go to rehearsal as my character and walk on the street and, you know, say hi to people. And, 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 and because, uh, obviously, um, if, if you're a man dressed in women's clothes, people are going to judge you. Mm-hmm. But if I'm only dressed as my character in rehearsal, I'm never going to experience that judgment. So by going out in public dressed like that, I saw people's different reactions to the way I was dressed. And that also informed um, the, the, the background story I made up for the character. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the ways I, I, I like to uh, approach the character. All right. Well, now we're talking about dressing up. Now I want to talk about a, a story you told me about uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, about um, getting undressed, <laughs> which is called the naked walk. Uh, yeah, I, I, I called it the naked walk. <laughs> the naked walk. So could you talk to me about <laughs> the naked walk? <laughs> um, so yeah, we had this teacher, this acting teacher, he was mad. He was insane, like quite a figure. Um, and during rehearsal, and this is the same play that I was talking about. At one point he said like, okay, now I want you all to think about something that you're afraid of doing or something that you wouldn't normally do that relates to your character. And we didn't get very far during that rehearsal. Uh, Only like someone did something and then there was this um, woman in our class. She was uh, quite a bit older and she was very religious. She was very, um, she was uh, Catholic and she had to spit as an exercise. She had to spit in someone's face because she had to do that in the play. Okay. But she was not able to do that. And she also had to like swear and, and then like really bad mouth him. And she really couldn't do that because that was something she never, ever did in, in, in daily life. Um, so it was a whole thing. And then at the end of the rehearsal, our teacher said like, okay, those of you who haven't done anything yet, I want you to think of something over the weekends that you can do in Monday's rehearsal. So I went home and I just this thought popped into my head it's like oh i'm going to walk naked to school <laughs> and i couldn't get it out of my head and i stayed home the whole weekend working on the character and thinking about this <laughs> and then monday came along and i had to go to <laughs> rehearsal and um man i was scared shitless can you imagine I was eating breakfast. I tried to eat breakfast. I couldn't eat breakfast. Um, and then finally my roommate came downstairs and she was like, Oh, are you going to do it? And I was like, she didn't have to go to school for some reason. She had to, she, she, she was, um, starting school much later that day. But I asked her like, can you just come? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just. And I remember, and she was standing outside the door and I was standing there with my backpack <laughs> in my pajamas. 
<laughs> and I was just like, I don't know. But you were like fully naked. I mean, you didn't have like a sock uh, on top of your penis or anything. It was like nothing, nothing. Full nudity. And then I took off my pants and closed the door behind me. And as soon as I stepped outside the door, I felt incredibly confident and incredibly free. And it was such an experience, man. And we walked to school uh, and it was only a five minute walk, but um, so much happened. I mean, I was, I think I was wearing sunglasses <laughs> and just slippers and that was it. And a backpack. Slippers? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean like, you know, dance lips. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were walking, and uh, we, we were very close to this, um, cafe, and it was, I mean, it was May, so the weather was really nice. <laughs> and this truck driver, um, in this huge truck, he stops, rolls down the window, and he's like, dude, that's so fucking cool. I wish <laughs> I had the balls to do that. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> and I was just like, I've been talking to you for way too long. I'm starting to get self-conscious and we started walking and we were almost at school. And there's this old lady with like a tiny little dog and she just points at my dick. And she goes like, you should get that chopped off. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that was it. And I just walked into rehearsal and people were like, what the fuck? So how did the teacher react? He was pretty cool. He was pretty cool? Yeah, he was like... He, I mean, he actually thought that I just took off my clothes right before I walked into the door. Like, he didn't realize that I walked all the way in public. And I could. And, yeah, the reactions were very different. I mean, I already had sort of a reputation for being kind of a weird one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, I... I never felt so good in my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was just, it kind of felt of like sort of breaking through the matrix in a weird way. Because mm -hmm. like, there's no reason why you shouldn't in summer when the weather is very nice to not just, why can't you just walk naked <laughs> in the street? I mean, you you know, we were all born in a naked body and, exactly. but like culture dictates that we should cover up and it's so funny when you say dictates, but yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah okay. no, but that's what, yeah. what, 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 you know, that the, those are like our cultural norms and especially in England, mm. kind of a little bit stiff, <laughs> they're not like free thinking, uh, loving spiritual beings. Um, you know, they're very intellectual. So, um, yeah, I mean, apparently it's illegal to do that. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, it's still, and so, so, so it helped you to, to create this, this character. Yeah. Because this character was so, it was kind of, you, you know, lived on sort of like she, she wasn't really in society. You know, Lepsy, she also, she had a weird job. Like she tortured people for a living. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was a mad play. 
Um, but yeah, it definitely gave me this, this sense of, 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 of rebelliousness and mm-hmm. freedom, um, that she had. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a very interesting, uh, experience for sure. Nice. Congrats, man. It's, it's really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could ever do that. Like just walk in the street, like just really respect, respect. I don't know how I did it. Like I really don't. Like if I, if you'd say to me, it's like, okay, just go out and do it again. I don't know if I could. Yeah. It was, but yeah, I mean, you, it's like when, when you're in acting school, you just have this love for the craft yeah. and you're not yet like no one's bitter mm-hmm. in acting school because it's still all like, you know, you're, you're there and, 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 and it's all about the craft and the commitment to the craft. And you go to the theater every week and you discuss the plays you've seen with your classmates. And it's, you know, you have so much desire to be an actor and, and, and it's so different when you talk mm-hmm. to someone who's still in acting school and someone who's been doing it for a while, there's usually that sort of like, yeah. cause it's really tough, yeah. you know, it's really hard and people, you know, harden up a bit. Yeah. The, the lesson, actually the lesson I learned from, from that story is I remember you telling it to me and I was like, wow, it's so, so cool that Joseph just did that. Just like, you know, just fuck everything. I'm just gonna, just gonna walk naked on the street. Just if people judge me, they judge me. I don't yeah. care. Um, I'm going to do this for myself or for my character, for, mm-hmm. for my art. Um, and what I did, I, I don't know what well, I think I told you, but like, I didn't walk naked on the street as well, but, um, uh, you have, uh, the mech in yeah, Antwerp. Yeah. It's like uh, this big, um, shopping yeah. street. Um, it's, I don't know, maybe in New York, it's like fifth Avenue or, or, uh, but anyway, so what I did was I, uh, went to the beginning, to the, to the, yeah, the, 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 uh, the beginning of the streets, uh, and I just put my hands in the air and I just walked all the way until the end of the marriage. Just, of course, people were looking at me like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Why is he holding his hands up in the air? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but like in the beginning I was, I was so, so frightened and my, 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 my hands were, were very, were sweating, you know what I mean? And, uh, but like after 30 seconds of, of people, well, judging me and, and that I felt like, um, about to cry or whatever, I, it, it just, it, it was like, okay, it's, it's not a big deal, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, um, don't be afraid to, to be weird. You know, don't be, don't be afraid to be different and to, to challenge your, your boundaries, because I think it's important as an actor or as an artist in general to, to, to well, you know, to challenge your boundaries yeah, of course. Um, because, because you need to have an, an, an open mindset. You need to be open for all kinds of, and if you like, just, yeah, if you, if you don't try that to, to, to try different things of things that, that, that challenge your, 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 your being, your, your, your personality or whatever, then I don't think you will ever learn or, or progress or reach your, your full potential. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, thank you for that, man. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for changing my life. <laughs> well, I mean, look, the thing is in, when I first came on as my character, I had to, you know, get dressed as my character. So I also wanted to go 
And I had this fear about it of, you know, being on stage, being there naked and being judged by the audience. And, you know, what will they think? Is, you know, do I have a small penis? <laughs> no, I mean, like those kind of things, which, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. might run through your head because, you know, there's all these people there who are looking at you mm-hmm. and they have a certain judgment about you, mm-hmm. you know, about what you're doing there and the way you look. And I just wanted to go so far beyond that beyond what I had to do on stage. So when I got to the performance, that wouldn't be an issue. And I could just focus on the character of being this person and not have any thoughts in my head of like, Oh, what are they going to think? And just try and completely crush that, that, that um, sort of like limiting belief of like, you know, this is an issue that I have to get over and just Mm -hmm. completely, you know, blast through that wall of, of like shame and, and, and doubt that I had. Yeah. And, you know, it gave me a lot of freedom and to really go on stage with confidence and really, because that's, and that was also an aspect of the character. You know, she was so powerful and she had such confidence about her personality and who she was mm-hmm. um, that I also needed to find that within myself. All right. Another question I have is, um, besides acting, New York had had another big um, impact on your life, which is of course, um, you're a, you're a vegan. Mm -hmm. It all began in New York, right? Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, of course the essence of, of, of of New York is that it's very, very, very progressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a huge, city so and it has this sort of you know there's this vibe to it you know it's like they're just they're just ahead of the curve in a way you know with so many different things and yeah that's like the unique quality to me that new york really really has you know there's so many cultural phenomena that started in new york and that's also the appeal of okay. New York, in my opinion. So why did you become a vegan? Um, because becoming a vegan, it's, it's such a, uh, a drastic change in, in, in the way you look at foods and the way you, um, well, because I, I'm not a vegan. So that's what I would think, of course. But mm-hmm. could you, yeah, just how, why, why did you become a vegan? Um, I, I had this sort of existential crisis, um, after my first year in New York, um, like I didn't feel happy. I wasn't happy with where I was at. And it was during my first weeks at the studio and I had this acting partner and she was, she was a force of nature. She was, I mean, that was Every week in class, she just blew me away by how open and how free she was. And up up until that point, I wasn't spiritual in any way. And just because she was so good, I just decided that whatever she says, whatever she suggests, I'm going to be open towards it and I'm going to try it because I want to have 
a piece of what she has, you know, that freedom on stage that she has. That's what I want. That's mm -hmm. what I'm desperately craving for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she was talking about, I think she was experimenting with veganism at the time. So, and I was staying in a friend's uh, studio and uh, he was on holiday and I could just stay there. And he gave me his Netflix password. So I found this documentary called Forks Over Knives and I watched it and it all sort of made sense. And right there and then I just decided, okay, I'm going to become a vegan now. And I also had lots of time on my hand. Um, I had pretty much nothing to do and I also had no money. So um, I spent a lot of time by myself and yeah, just uh, exploring this, 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 um, this thing, like, yeah, exploring veganism and like, you mm -hmm. know, I went to the store and spent lots of time in the store and trying to figure out what to buy and, and how to eat and looking up recipes and trying out new things. And yeah, and I felt great. Felt really good. What do you think is like the most positive results that comes from being vegan? Um, well, you know, when you decide to go vegan, pretty much what you're doing is you're voluntarily becoming a part of a minority, which obviously for like, you know, a white privileged dude with well-off parents is not, um, not necessarily an easy thing to do because you go from, you know, you don't experience any hardship in terms of like, or like any challenges in life in terms of like who you are. And then when you become a vegan, you voluntarily become part of a minority, you know, a minority in society. Mm -hmm. And since then I've experienced, you know, judgment, um, by other people, uh, you know, lots of like harsh comments about the way I, I, you know, look at life and that has really taught me, you know, going through that and also, um, the reactions of people around me or just strangers that I would meet in a bar that look at life very differently. Um, and, and, you know, having to listen to their opinion about the way you choose to live really taught me a lot about compassion and made me definitely a more compassionate person mm. towards all sorts of people around me and understanding why, uh, certain minorities really hold on really tight to their identity. And, um, yeah, it just gave me a lot of perspective, I'd say. So what advice would you give to, um, someone who wants to become vegan? Um, how would I begin to, to change my eating habits? Um, I would say go easy on yourself. Uh, that's the most important part. And also, you know, uh, I always try to tell people like, be as vegan as you can be. So I, 
in my experience, a lot of people I meet, they tell me like, oh, I could never be vegan. And it's not like this thing of like, once you call yourself a vegan, that all of a sudden you have to like exclude all these things outside of like, you know, from your life, you know, you can, you can be vegan from Monday till Friday if that's what you want, you know, it's up to you. It's your choice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a dogma thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's important, uh, very important to allow yourself time to transition into a more plant-based or like a more vegan lifestyle. Because obviously, you know, being vegan is not just about what you eat. Um, and yeah, just you know, be kind, be kind to 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 yourself. Because I remember in the beginning, I was like, oh fuck, like I'm craving chicken really bad and then you know i was drunk this one time and, you know i ate chicken and then i you know would tell myself fuck i'm such a bad person because <laughs> like i know like you know how horrible it was for this chicken to die yeah. and then i just eat it just because i'm drunk i'm like so selfish but i think it's very important that you just really kind to yourself and don't judge yourself or beat yourself up over you know not being the person yet that you want to be it's like allow yourself time it's the same with acting you know if yeah. like you know you can beat yourself up and and tell yourself like oh i should be here in my career or i should be there it's like no like you know the journey's there for you to experience and you should you know take every step and you can't you know skip over something um, and i think it's the same with that because yeah it is a big change mm-hmm. Um, and definitely wasn't easy for me to, 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 um, change overnight because you have to approach food, for example, in a, yeah, you, you have to approach it very differently. And there's a lot of things that you've learned throughout your life, which enable you to, um, prepare all these, you know, meat based recipes, which are things you've picked up over the years. And then all of a sudden, uh, you'll have to like know all these things about like uh, plant-based cooking that you don't know, mm-hmm. but you have to find, you know, figure it out. So yeah, just allow yourself time. You know, it's like take a step every day or every week mm-hmm. and just do it at your own pace. And don't, you know, if you really crave, um, I know a certain kind of meat, for example, you know, just go inside and, you know, take some time and figure out why that is and where it comes from. But also I'd say it's, you know, it's, it's just culture. It's a cultural thing. You know, it's like, you'd say like, Oh, I could never um, miss, I don't know, say ribs. You know, that's only because, you know, that's what you're accustomed to. And, you know, no one, people in general aren't uh, open to change for the most part. Um, and yeah, because, you know, it change, changes your identity as well. I mean, once you identify like, oh, this is who I am and mm-hmm. you place that label on yourself, it's not always easy because, you know, um, Perhaps your family is, is, is going to look at you differently or question your decisions. Um, 
Yeah, it all takes time. So veganism and future. What what is your perspective on uh, on that? Oh man, um, I do think it's 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 going to become a um, definitive part of our zeitgeist in a way. So it's I think it's really going. It's 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 here to stay. First of all, it's not just some diet or like a fat that is going to go away no like the aware like you definitely feel and i especially experienced this when i talk to people of my generation and then you know much older people like my parents like times are changing and, and there's definitely a shift hap happening and at a certain point we're going to get to that tipping point where all of a sudden is going to change really fast also if you look at The, the development of, of lab-grown meat, I think within twenty twenty years for sure, we aren't, we're, the people who still eat meat are going to be eating lab meat and plant-based meats because you know technology is catching up, and it's 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 just not sustainable anymore. So it's not just about veganism; it's also about you know if we look at the transportation industry and how for example diesel is 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 getting more expensive and it's going to get taxed more that's all because you know times are changing and 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 you know the population in general and politics realize that we can't go on um living life in the same way or it's all going to end for us very very soon yeah yeah so um yeah i i have a very po positive outlook on it Also, if I just look at, you know, the past two years that I've lived here back in Belgium, um, how, um, you know, the products I'm able to buy are improving a lot and how it's becoming more and more mainstream. And we have, you know, vegan Ben and Jerry's since like two months, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is great news. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I have a very positive outlook. Now we're moving on to the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Of course I'm ready. Hit it. What would your dream role be? What do you feel you would bring to it? Oh, um, my dream role, the first one that comes to mind and that always comes to mind is a Jedi. That would be <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's just, you know, I've loved Star Wars for so long and I always get, you know, so, you know, excited, you know, when a trailer for the new movie comes out. Um, but yeah, that's something I've been dreaming about for years and it doesn't go away. Um, and what I would bring to it, pff, Jesus, um, That's, that's tough. Um, I, I mean, I think I definitely have, um, you know, the, 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 the I, I, I think I'm, I'm definitely up to, 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 um, take on the physical challenges of the role. And I, I love, um, you know, the, the, the stunt work and, 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 you know, the, all the, 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 the physical aspects of like, uh, the, the, the fighting. Um, I, I, I can definitely lose myself in that, um, preparation that it takes to take on such a, uh, f 
physically challenging role for sure. And I, I love to just forget about everything and forget, um, about life and just really just focus on one thing. And that's all I live and breathe. Um, so yeah, I think I can bring, um, definitely, uh, 100% commitment to the role, something I can bring to it for sure. Okay, cool. What's the most fun you ever had in a role and why? Um, um, the most, um, it was when I, when I played, it's when I played a professor in the lesson by UNESCO. Uh, and this was my final scene at the William Esper studio. And it was so much fun because I had a really, oh, damn, I had this incredible acting partner that, uh, I was playing with and she, she was so incredibly talented and it was just so much fun to work with her. And then when we brought the scene to the classroom, I mean, everyone was just in awe because we just had this amazing and, and incredible vibe. Um, but now telling this story, I have to think about my final scene at the neighborhood playhouse, which was also an incredible, incredible uh, amount of fun because, um, we, I had this acting partner, Samantha, and she, it was so, it was so lovely just to rehearse with her. And we were so committed to it because this was also at the neighborhood playhouse. When you work on scenes, you do them within the classroom. Mm -hmm. But for the final scene, you're doing it in the theater, uh, in the in-house theater of the playhouse. And you do it for like the whole school, all the teachers, all the students. And it was so incredible because this is the only time ever in my life that, you know, when people came on stage to do their scene, everyone cheered. And that's something that never happens uh, when you're performing on stage. You know, you come on stage and you do your part and at the very end, people applaud. But like with the final scenes at the Playhouse in the first year, there's just this whole vibe of everyone is so supportive that literally just as soon as you enter the stage, everyone starts cheering and, and, and shouting and yelling and screaming. So that was just, it, it's, it's, it's like you're, you know, performing a scene for like, I don't know, like a, a football cr crowd, like the way they would cheer if you do something great on stage. So I had like these few really amazing moments in the scene where my character was doing uh, some really obnoxious things. And then you do something on stage and everyone starts cheering, which is incredible. And it's also a very, very unique experience because that never happens, you know, in the theater. Mm -hmm. Um, but also just the rehearsal process was so incredible because we were both so committed. We would sometimes just go on rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing for like, I think this is a few times we rehearsed for like six hours. Wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we really went for it and it really showed, mm -hmm. um, when we finally did it, um, it was just so solid. The whole scene was so solid. Uh, and that was such an incredible, outrageous character to play. It was like this, um, 
player, crazy person. I mean, it was like, it was comedy. Uh, and I don't use, I almost never get cast in comedy. <laughs> uh, and it was so much fun to do. It was incredible. Okay. Um, who are your biggest influences? Can be actors, artists, maybe someone in your personal life. Oh boy. Um, where do I start? Um, I think if we talk about people in, in my personal life, it obviously be you. You'd be one of the people I've, um, ever from the very beginning when we first started out, I've always, you know, had this admiration for your commitment, uh, to the craft. Um, and then, um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I try to surround myself with people that inspire me. Um, so, Almost all my friends, um, inspire me in one way or, an, or another. Um, if we talk about, um, people I don't know directly, um, I have a huge admiration for Eleonora Duza. Um, she's an actress that, um, she, she's one of the first modern actors. Um, she, um, there's a book about her. It's called Mystic in the Theater. I mean, and that's all I know about her because she was an actor before there was film. I mean, at the very end of her life, she did like this silent film for like 15 minutes. Um, but in this book, you read about her dedication of the craft and it's so incredible. She was so incredibly humble. And she had such a huge commitment to the craft that is so, uh, admirable. Um, like for example, she had no mirrors in her house because, um, to her, she wanted to kind of, you know, take away that uh, natural vanity that all of us have. So she didn't want to look at herself in the mirror on a daily basis and think about the way she looked. She just wanted it to be about you know, the performance and the character. Mm. And to me, yeah, that's um, incredibly inspiring to read about and, and think about. Yeah. All right. What are your favorite movies? Do you have any? Yeah. Um, the, I have many, but the films I've seen the most are on the waterfront. Um, of course. Directed uh, by Elia Kazan and, uh, Brilliant performance by Brando. Um, incredible scenario by, um, but Schulberg. Um, yeah. I mean, everything that film is about and, and the way it came about, um, is so inspiring. And especially that one scene. I mean, to me, that's just a whole, the whole film is an acting lesson in itself, but the one scene where they're in the back of the, cab and with, with his brother with his brother and and then you know oh man that is to me it's insane it's i could watch that over and over and over again and um i absolutely love it and then um before sunrise by richard linklater yeah yeah i've seen that film so many times that is the first one no yeah that's the first one that's yeah. the one i've seen the most okay. um yeah <laughs> I, yeah, I, I love everything about that film. I mean, the long takes, you know, the influence of the uh, Nouvelle Vague, um, the story and, and what the story represents and 
represents and um, the themes and you know the whole the trilogy as a whole um yeah absolutely love it do you got any uh favorite books maybe you're reading a book at the moment right now uh i am reading a book at the moment i'm reading gr by william gaddis which is <laughs> definitely the most difficult book uh i've ever attempted to read um I mean, I started reading that book because one of my favorite um, acting troops, uh, no, uh, theater companies, one of my favorite theater companies is doing uh, a play at the moment um, based on that book. Um, but my one of my favorite books is The Way of the Actor. Uh, and I think I'm forgetting who it wrote. Um, right now, but the way of the actor is because it talks about acting in, it talks about like the spiritual act, uh, uh, the spiritual aspect, uh, of acting and how all these great stories about actors like Klaus Kinski, mm -hmm. uh, about how when Alec Guinness met James Dean for the first time and, and yeah. Such a fascinating read. And then another one of my absolute favorites, and I really, really have to mention it, um, is by, uh, it's a book called Halfway Through the Door by Alan Arkin. And the whole book is about his journey of, he had this whole idea of that when he, he'd be happy when he, uh, as soon as he would become successful and be a successful actor. And then he realized um, during the filming of this movie, he had this stand-in and um, he couldn't handle how happy and at ease and, 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 and fulfilled that his stand-in was. And it was like, I don't understand this guy. Like, what's up with him? It's like, something is wrong. Like something doesn't make sense because he's only a stand in and I'm the lead. Mm -hmm. And why are you always so happy and in a good humor? And why are you such a great human being? You're only a fucking stand in. <laughs> and then, you know, as he spent more time with this person, he really, um, found peace. And the whole book is about his journey from being a kind of like troubled artist that was, as his success as an actor increased, he became more and more unhappy. Um, and, and he eventually came to this point where he met this man and, um, they became really close and he really found peace, um, in his work. Yeah, it's a great book. Okay. Um, I got one more rapid fire question. So if you could have, uh, a billboard anywhere in the world with any kind of message on it, and it would be, well, viewed by millions, maybe billions of people around the world, what would it say? It can be a word, a sentence, a, phrase um well what would it say i think it would say play just that just the word play play yeah um 
because I've realized that sometimes you get so caught up in this idea of who you want yourself to be. But in the end, what it comes down to is, you know, you, in, yeah, in day to day life, you just want to play whatever that is, whatever you enjoy doing, you just play and play around with it, you know, um, whatever it is. Like for me, it's acting. And sometimes I have to remind myself, Joseph, just act, just, just play, just pick up a text and play. And that's, I really just find joy in it, you know, and sometimes I don't have to like, you know, sit down and meditate or like, you know, I don't know, just do whatever and just kind of like, that's not the way for me. Like I have to play. I become really happy if I just put on a song that I love and I just, I'm just being silly and I just play. I just dance to that song and I just enjoy myself and, you know, forget about what I have to do or should be doing. And I'll, I'm just playing. Yeah. So yeah, play. So are there any, um, any future projects or, or ideas? I don't know that we can look for, forward to. I know, for example, that you have the idea of well, creating your own podcast, for example. Yeah. I'm gonna uh, start my own podcast very soon. I'm still like figuring out all the details and uh, how I'm going to approach it. Um, other than that, um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm also playing around with the idea of starting a sort of actors gym. Where, I, where we, we, um, and you know, like the same thing, like I said about, um, the billboard, you know, just play, just, you know, try and, and, and create a place where actors can come together and play, um, just for the sake of playing without a specific goal and where we can just practice our craft and, and, f you know, really make sure we don't lose the joy of playing and, um, yeah. And, you know, keep the fire burning and you know that you want to be excited every day to wake up and just play and just practice your crafts uh whether you know you train your voice or you just do a scene or you do whatever so yeah just just a place where where where, where we as artists can come together and play together because you don't always want to be playing by yourself <laughs> <laughs> No, not always. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where can people find you to learn more about you? Um, uh, you can find me on my website, which is www.joseph.actor. Um, or my Instagram, which is just my name, Joseph Van Overloop. Um, yeah. All right. Lastly, what would you, uh, like to say or ask? Just, you know, as a parting words, what would you say uh, as your parting, parting words? Oh, it sounds so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I would ask, um, how do you find play in your life? How do you find play in your life? Yeah. Okay. Well, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. Thank you for this, this, this 
very interesting, insightful interview. I'm really glad that we did it. Yeah, I'm really glad. I was looking forward to it all week. Uh, my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Give me a hug and a kiss, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. not good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I did it all for you, man. I did it all for you. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, ciao, ciao, and uh, see you soon with uh, a third episode with a secret guest. So, uh, well, I'll keep you guys posted. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.